There's Night in Chicago on the Black and Abdallah Show. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. Presented by Miller Lite. We're at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. We're expected to be joined by Lance Briggs at 7 o'clock. Usually we're joined by Eddie Jackson. Uh, yesterday in the game, I only saw him out there for a couple series, and then he left the game with his foot injury. So we'll have to see how this goes for the next week or so with Eddie Jackson. So uh, we wish the best to him as we react to the Vikings. They win yesterday 19-13 to over our Chicago Bears. The Bears are now 1-5, Abdallah. So we are here for the next two hours to break down this game, and we'll be joined by Bears legendary linebacker Lance Briggs at 7 o'clock here at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. Yeah, and uh, it'd be a lot cooler to talk about a win after yesterday. I thought the Bears, I think everybody thought the Bears would win that game against the Vikings despite them being a home dog against uh, a team that also only had one win uh, coming into that game. But, you know, the story of the game, obviously Justin Fields gets hurt. He gets sacked on that play. Hurts his thumb, uh, dislocated, popped it back in, and now we're awaiting, you know, some form of MRI results. Matt Eberflus, you know, joined Waddle and Sylvie earlier today and also in his press conference said that, you know, they're going to kind of play this out until the end of the week to see how he can grip the football because uh, it is his throwing hand, and if you can't grip that football, you can't really throw that football either. So uh, it might be the uh, Tyson Bajant show for a couple weeks. We don't know exactly how long. Uh, it could be for Fields, whether he needs surgery or not on that thumb. But as of right now, it looks like it's going to be Tyson Bajan as the backup uh, for the foreseeable future for the Bears. And, you know, they've got, they might be facing a backup this week uh, when they face the Raiders as they come to town. So another game that maybe you could look at the defense plays like they did, even if it's Bajan back there. I still think that they they have a chance to win because, yes, the story is the ineptitude of the offense and, you know, some of the play calling that was bad and the offensive line that was bad and fields that was bad and Bajan, which wasn't any better when he came in. But, like, the defense held their own for a game. And it was like, okay, the Bears are still kind of in this. And there was, you were at the game yesterday, there was, it did feel like, at least watching it on TV, that the crowd was still into the game even after fields went out because normally when that happens, you're like, oh, well, that's it. But it felt different yesterday. It felt like because the way the defense was playing that they still had a chance at the end of that game. Well, I'm sick of coulda, woulda, shoulda, mm-hmm. right? Like, we, we continue to have these conversations each and every week that this team was close. They're competing. They almost, if only, ah, oh, that turnover, this penalty. I mean, how about they button things up up there and they win a football game? I'm sick of watching a team play close competitive football at home and continuously lose. You're right. In the the fourth quarter, there was a moment where there was an opportunity. Uh, Drive down the field, get some points, and make this thing closer than the six points that you lost the game by and hope that your defense could stand tall and get the football back. That didn't happen. The turnovers from Bajan uh, took place, and and the Bears lose this game. And I I think when we look at Justin Fields, right, so Iberflus today has not ruled out surgery at the end of the week for Justin Fields and the dislocated thumb. They're going to figure it out. At this moment, he's listed, or they're saying he's doubtful for this week. Now we'll get a – we'll get – Injury report on Wednesday of the official ruling to what that situation is for Justin Fields. So, I mean, this week it will, I'm guessing, be Tyson Bajan as your quarterback for the Chicago Bears. But they did have a chance 
Unfortunately, I think what we're coming to the conclusion here, and I think most Bears fans agree with me on this one, they're just not good. You're one in five. Mm-hmm. You're not good. I, I don't think the head coach is very good. I think the evidence is mounting towards that. I thought we had a spark from the starting quarterback in the last couple of weeks to suggest that maybe things are turning around. That wasn't the case. When he was out there, 6 of 10, 58 yards, one interception, four sacks for Justin Fields, a quarterback rating of 36. I mean, he didn't play a good football game. The coaches, I think, today, Eberflus is not hiding the fact that Fields didn't play a good football game before he was, le- he was out of the game with the injury. I think that's just where we're at is this team is not really any good. And, and that's where we have to have some hard conversations as Bears fans. Could they win a couple of games coming up? Sure. Did Bajan do enough to win the game yesterday? I think so. I think in the fourth quarter he, he did enough until he turned the football over. That That's a serviceable backup where you can go out there and win some games. But unfortunately, this team just doesn't seem prepared week to week to take advantage of those situations. I feel like we are all seeing something that could be taken advantage of, but the team is not stepping up to that challenge to actually win some of these games. No, I mean, you go into yesterday's game and you've got a situation where Justin Jefferson is out, you know, your defense is playing well. It's a six-point game uh, with about five minutes left in that game. You force the Vikings to punt. You have the ball back with about four, with four and a half minutes left, about 450 left in the game, and it, it kind of just ends from there. You know, Bajan throws that interception right before the two-minute warning, and that's kind of the end of the game there, um, which, you know, he's a backup. He comes from a D2 school. Like, I'm not saying, oh, my God, how could he throw this? such a costly interception? He's throwing into the game, you know, within seconds of, of Justin Fields getting hurt and going into the tent and then running to the locker room, you know, grasping his hand. And, you know, nothing can – he can be prepared as he can be. But when you're under-throwing balls and all that kind of stuff, I thought that they didn't, weren't doing him any favors really with the play calling at that point. Um, you know, running that, maybe you take a time out there. You've got a young – you've got a guy who's just starting. Like, he's never run the offense before in a real game situation. Yeah, he's had some preseason games, but it's completely different when it's the regular season. Do your quarterback a favor. Take a time out there. And then you still have the two-minute warning. Like, you still have time to orchestrate a drive. I know maybe you want to keep some of your time out so you save that just in case you have it for the the, uh, the backup quarterback there in Bajan. But – in-game situation, like, I would have taken a time out there and been like, all right, settle down, like, let's figure this out, and we'll move on from there and give your backup a little bit of breathing room there and try to win this game because this was, with that time left in the fourth quarter, this was still a winnable game. Absolutely. Okay, so I I was in the stadium, so I didn't have the TV uh, announcer uh, to go along with what I was watching. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. Mm -hmm. When the Bears got the football... With 6.44 left in the fourth quarter, they were trailing at that point 19-13. They go on this drive, right? They're on their own 24-yard line, and then they eat up the clock all the way past the two-minute warning Mm -hmm. from 6.44 in the fourth quarter all the way under two minutes. Why didn't they have any urgency? Did they just assume they were going to run the clock out and score a touchdown and win the game? Like, here, here's in the stadium what I thought was strange was they were huddling and they were walking up to the line of scrimmage and they were taking their sweet-ass time mm-hmm. for that entire drive. Now, they were gaining yardage and they were moving down the field. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I kept saying in the seats in the stadium was, 
if you don't get a touchdown, you're screwing yourself here. Yeah. Because essentially the game will be over and kicking the field goal won't do you any good because you're going to be under two minutes. You're not going to be able to stop the clock. And then Bajan throws the interception. You're under two minutes. You don't have enough timeouts. The game's basically over. Yep. So they basically screwed themselves. Did Were they talking about that on TV? Like I thought watching that, as they were marching down the field, they were essentially backing themselves into a corner where they wouldn't have an option other than scoring a touchdown and converting the, the extra point to win the football game. Am I the only one that saw no, that, that I thought it was it. weird, that it was so slow, the way they, they approached that final drive that they had from 644? They had no urgency to, let's get on the board, let's get some uh-huh. points, and let's, let's actually make sure that we can actually try and win this? I didn't hear that, um, but what I did notice, and it, it took me back to, I forget what game it was, I think it was maybe the Bucks game or was it the uh, the Broncos game? I think it was the Broncos game. We were all talking about, hey, should he kick it here or should they go for it on fourth down, right? Yeah. You kick it, you take the points, and then you put the ball. It was the Broncos game. Then you put the ball in their hand, and then they end up driving down the field. They go for it. They didn't get it, right? That goes back to the philosophy that I think Matt Eberflus has with what he's doing here. How do you control the game? You keep the football. As long as you have the football, you are controlling the game. So I believe that their philosophy was, let's milk this down as long as we possibly can and then score with as little bit of time left on the clock. We'll have the lead with a little bit of time left, and then we force, you know, whatever it has. As long as they have, because Matty Refluce's philosophy, because that's what he told, you know, the media, that's what he told Captain J. Hood right after the game, is we wanted to control the game, and you control the game by holding the football. With an unproven backup quarterback who had, hadn't done it to that point, think, right? I don't think that do you, matters. Do you understand my I point? I understand. Oh, absolutely. You, understand you get stalled it. out, you kick a field goal, at least you have a chance with four minutes left on the clock. I know that you had all three timeouts, but mm-hmm. the problem is you milked it by so much by the time you were able to start to use your timeouts. The math was against you yeah. where, at best, you were going to have like seven seconds left over at the end of the game. And guess what? The Vikings were smart enough to run a couple stretch run plays, yep. which burned time off in the play, which resulted in you essentially allowing them to run out the clock without mm-hmm. even having to run a final snap. No. Like, yeah. like that's where I don't think Eberflus is up for the task of being a game manager. I understand your point. If you have your starting quarterback who is flawless and can go down the field and uh, – be a maestro on offense and score a touchdown, get the extra point, boom, leave them with no well, time. I mean, you they, take the victory, take that, right? But, they but were, unfortunately, he was being a maestro, though. He was. Did he? How'd that end for you? I understand you, how You it backed ended. yourself into a I corner where the understand. only option was he had to score a I'm touchdown. I'm just trying to put myself into the head of Matt Eberflus and what he would tell you. And I believe he would tell you, he would say, you know, we want to control the football, we want to control the football game, and the way we do that is by holding on to the football as long as possible, scoring with the least amount of time left on the clock, and then we kick off, and then whatever happens, happens. It's Black and Abdallah. We are at Bears Night in Chicago, presented by Miller Lite at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. We're hanging out. We're talking football with you at 312-332-3776. James and Oswego, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, James? Hey, gentlemen, I apologize if this question or this has come up all day because I wasn't listening because I was working. But what I wanted to get is your opinion or your thoughts on the same scenario that we find ourselves in again. You know, it, it's you try to judge Justin Fields' ability as a quarterback, and it's so hard because the offensive line is so bad and they can't block anybody. 
And if he doesn't have time to do his job, how do you judge his talent? At, at the same time, when saying that, it, I saw a couple times when he had receivers open and didn't pull the trigger. So I don't know. Like, we're in the same scenario where, like, do we need to draft another quarterback or what do we do? And it's just such a difficult thing to address. I just wanted to get your opinion. Yeah, thanks for the call, Joe. Appreciate it. Uh, James in Oswego, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I think I – think, uh... I don't want to say we know what Justin Fields is yet, but you have to go with, like, let's say worst-case scenario. He's got to have surgery. That's, you know, four to five weeks before you can even move the thumb. You know, Yurko was talking about it today, about what they would have to do if he does have to have surgery on the thumb. Then you have to rehab and build strength again, so that might be another one to two weeks of him, him building strength because he physically can't move his hand if he does have to have surgery while it's in that cast, healing from the surgery. So you're talking seven, eight weeks, there's not enough time for him to come back, I don't think, where you can say, well, we'll judge those final few games. I think you just kind of have to look at his body of work at what it is right now. And also, given the scenario, right, if the Bears didn't have the Panthers pick or let's say they had already won a few games here and their pick was going to be lower, then you've got a a decision to make. I think that right now where where the Panthers are with not having any wins, being the top pick in the draft, you having the number two pick in the draft, I think you're going to have to – you have to look at a quarterback. Even if there is still the back of your mind, you're like, well, Justin could be something. Given the situation, like you have to look at the circumstances. The circumstances are you've got generational talent, whether it's Caleb Williams you want to believe or not after this week's game against Notre Dame, or Drake May or J.J. McCarthy, whoever it is. I don't care. Insert quarterback here from college. You have to take a chance on another quarterback because – from what we've seen from Justin Fields so far is that he's inconsistent. Yeah. Um, whether it's the offensive line or him or the wide receivers, whatever it is, he's inconsistent. He's also, because he holds the ball too long and runs into sacks and puts himself in harm's way, he's also been injured every single year now. So now you have to start worrying about injury and whether this is, oh, well, the offensive line is, get, is letting him down, so he's worried about that. But now you have to sit there and say to yourself, okay, this injury thing is becoming a problem. We need to take someone high up that's going to be our quarterback of the future. You know, part of the conversation we had in the offseason, did Ryan Poles do enough with the backup quarterback position? I mean, that's going to be something that we kind of talk about now going forward because is Tyson Bajan really, really ready to take over as the guy? Well, you go out and get P.J. Walker. He didn't make the... The team, right? Did you and see then, what he was doing? Yeah, I mean, and then he wins a football game yesterday I, he for won Cleveland. A fo- he won a, fo- he won he a football game. game. He started a game. They won in spite of him. They okay. won in spite of him. Their defense is awesome. He, he made I'm not some ignoring that. Ho- they got lucky at the end. He made a horrible mistake at the end. My point is, it wasn't really something that was solidified. They no. kind of just went with Justin Fields as the only option. Yes. And we know that he has been injured in each and every season that he's played. Yeah, I would say that let's... Reserve judge. I don't think that I don't think Bajan's going to come in and be Brock Purdy and be the savior of the of the franchise for the next X amount of years. But I would say that let's see what he looks like with reps with the first team, a full week of practice. Let's see what he looks like against the uh, Raiders here, and not just being thrown into a game with an injury. Let's see what he looks like with a full game before we assess what Ryan Poles did with the backup position. If he comes out and he holds his own, and they end up it's a close game, and they find a way to win that game, then sure, he's a serviceable backup. There's nothing wrong with that. But if he just looks awful, then yeah, we got to question Ryan Poles about his decision there and not bringing him a solid backup. Oh, look at this. Mo in Frankfurt. You're oh, on ESPN 1000. Hello, Mo's Mo. Back. Mo? 
Mo? Hi. Literally, I accidentally hung up on him. No! <laughs> Mo, All right, back. Kevin. Kevin Z-Pack. There he is. That's User error. He wanted nothing User to do with Mo and Frankfurt. All right. I fat well, Man, I had a big yep. buildup well, uh, in everything. Nope. See, there you go. Uh, we haven't heard right. from Mo in quite some time, so we'll, we'll regroup wow. there. Uh, Bears Night in Chicago, presented by Miller Lite. <laughs> We're at 115 Bourbon Street, Marionette Park. It's Bucking and Bell. We'll be right back. Live from 115 Bourbon Street and Marionette Park, Bears Night in Chicago. Be part of Bears Night in Chicago in person or crack open an ice-cold Miller Lite and watch us on Twitch.tv. Now back to 115 Bourbon Street and Marionette Park and Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Sorry, Abdallah. I think we have, uh, what do we have here? $15 buckets? $15 buckets of Miller Lite. There's uh, a lot of Miller Lite in that bucket for $15. You can also stop by our uh, marketing table and uh, try and win Miller Lite loft tickets for a Bears game coming up this season if you come on out to Marionette Park. We're at 115 Bourbon Street, Bears Night in Chicago. We're drinking Miller Lite, and we will be joined by uh, former Bears linebacker Lance Briggs at 7 o'clock here on set at 115 Bourbon Street. So we're breaking down the game, and uh, we're talking beers with you at 312-332-3776. Kevin hung up on Mo and Frankfurt uh, before we went to commercial break. Mo has called back. Mo and Frankfurt, you're on ESPN 1000. Mo! Mo. I'm back, baby. Hell yeah. What's up? Listen, I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something, okay? Um... Number one, yes, I can't call the shows because I'm going to school broadcasting with IMS, Illinois nice. Media School, you know? Shout Congrats. out. Shout out. Beonair.com, baby, give it to me. All right, uh, free plug. I'm there sitting in uh, John Hood's office. Nice. Doing my uh, podcast. Does he know you're using his office? Uh, I don't know. I think he'll be pissed. <laughs> but it's okay. It don't matter to me. It's okay. I, they they gave me his office, so I, I use his office. It's okay. But I want to talk to you guys because I miss you guys. And, yes, it's been a month since I came out and did my show notes and whatnot. It is what it is. But I want to tell you something. Um, yeah? Chicago Bears, what happened? Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here fighting with somebody about sh- Justin Fields. I'm like, is it the offensive line? Is it the defensive line? Is it Justin Fields? He doesn't know how to throw the ball out. Here's Cat and Hoodie saying that, oh, six and a half minutes or seven minutes or seven seconds, I mean, uh, he can't throw the ball out. That's true. So as long as he can fix that, maybe we can do something, but he needs to fix that. If not, we might have the one and two pick next year, and yeah, good Kale Williams. Even though he sucked against Notre Dame, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> hey, Mo, any, any thoughts on the show? You any usually notes? have show notes for us. Uh, anything you got there? I'm going to have to listen to Mo's show and give him notes. Uh, I'll tell you something. Um, basically, everyone's hating on Justin Fields today. Um, last week, everybody loved him. So it's like, uh, you guys, not you guys, you guys are awesome, number one. But um, ESPN has been going on a roller coaster. Do we like Justin? Do we want to get rid of him? Do we like him? Do we want to get rid of him? What do you guys think? 
All right, Mo, thank you for the phone call. That's Mo. All right, th- there he is. I mean, ho- hopefully his show is more to the point than, than the phone calls. <laughs> I wonder how many times he says, let me tell you something, when he's, on his, when he's doing his own show. Um, is, it, is, it like, uh, is it like one of those flat, like, he loves me, he loves me not, we should keep fields, we should not keep fields, we should keep fields, we should not keep fields? I feel like we've got our answer. I feel like we know what's going to happen. They're not going to. They're going to keep him as in a and have a battle yeah. with uh, whoever they draft. Whether to insert quarterback here, that we've got a. There's a lot of college. We can get into it later. There's a lot of college football left between now and the draft. So, like, let's just slow our roll, making crazy judgments as to who's great, who's not great. Um, but I think they're gonna they're gonna use one of those high picks on a quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that that's likely at this point. I mean, the way this is kind of shaping up is as. He hasn't done anything to convince all of us that, no doubt, he's the guy. Yeah. And unless he does that it, from here to the end of the season, I think they do draft the quarterback. We said that a couple weeks ago. The, the one thing that we said last week is finally he's showing something to tell us that maybe they shouldn't. Well, unfortunately, when you were out there, you didn't look good. Mm-mm. And then you got hurt, and this injury could last some time. I would imagine it's going to be more than one week. If he's back out there, I mean, that would be, I think, a miracle. If he's out there missing only one week. I mean, yeah. right now, Eberflus is saying that surgery's not ruled out. Doubtful for this weekend against the Raiders. Had an MRI today. It's a dislocated thumb. No broken, broken bones, but uh, he's having trouble gripping a football. Well, if you're a quarterback, you can't grip the football. How can you throw the football? How can you hold on to it in the pocket? I mean, that, that's that, all of the strength in your hand goes through your thumb in holding the football. I mean, that injury is going to take a while for him to be ready to go, so that would have to lead us down a road of Fields getting healthy, getting ready to go, and the moment he is, he's awesome. I don't know if that's in the cards. Well, and then the problem is, too, like... He's been healthy and he hasn't been awesome. Well, if you look at the schedule, too, like, this is a run of games where we said that they could be... You could get right, right? Like, you beat the Commanders. They could have beat the Vikings yesterday. You know, we're going to talk to Lance Briggs in about half an hour. He said it to Captain J. Hood earlier today. If Fields would have been in that game, they might have the whole game. They might have won that game. Um, he was playing poorly, but they were, you know, they were moving the football. I know Bajan went down the field and scored, but you know, you want the guy who's been practicing all week. You want your starting quarterback out there. You know, the Chargers game uh, or the Raiders game, I think is still winnable. We don't think Jimmy Garoppolo might not be out there, so you could be going against uh, Hoyer. Could be the quarterback there, so that's a winnable game. You know, the Chargers, they're going to play tonight, but they haven't looked all that great. Their defense isn't that great. Um, the Saints have been very good, so that's I think that's going to be, that's going to be tough. But they the lost Saints yesterday. Been, they did, but their defense is really good. The Panthers, I even think with Bajan out there, they could beat the Panthers. I think they, they could. That's a very winnable game. Uh, I think that's possible, too. But then I'm after that, that, you've got the Lions, the Vikings again, the Lions again, and then the Browns' defense is one of the best in all of the NFL. Like, if he comes back, like, if they say, hey, he's going to come back, uh, you know, uh, that game against the Browns, they're like, Oh, no, don't do that to the poor guy. Well, you know, yesterday, over the weekend, it was really the worst-case scenario for Bears fans, right? Uh, Let's go down the the multiple paths of choose-your-own-adventure-of-crap football. Uh, One path is that yesterday you lose at home, your starter doesn't look good, and he gets hurt, right? So the the path of Justin Fields to greatness, that path, uh, that didn't go well, right? So that was bad. Yeah. You then have the storyline where we've taken calls in the last two weeks from Bears fans who are obsessed with this idea that 
Caleb Williams is the next Patrick Mahomes and that the Bears should give up on the rest of the season and go draft Caleb Williams in October for next season. Where are those guys today? Well, Caleb Williams went out against Notre Dame and looked terrible against the Fighting Irish, throwing three interceptions. The offense couldn't move the football. They just looked really bad. Mm -hmm. So down that path of hope, that doesn't look as hot today as it did for the last two weeks. And then the third path, which is the path, this is, this is an underdog path. Oh, no. This is a path that all Chicagoans feel throughout their bones. This is one that they love, right? No matter who the guy is, the backup quarterback in this town is always better than the starter. So the third path of hope would be those who wanted a quarterback controversy uh, mm-hmm. competition, a, uh, a chance for Tyson Bajan to get a, a shot at it, he gets in there. Mm-hmm. He did play okay, but then he threw two bad interceptions. Yeah. So, like, what, what are you even accomplishing? Like, the, you could have said, okay, Fields play great. Yeah, things are going in the right direction. Here we go. That's a nice path. I like that. Caleb Williams still looks awesome. He, he's the best college football quarterback ever in the history of college football. That, that's a great option. We're going to have the number one or two pick. We'll be, our lives will be solved with that. Third option is, well, what if, what if Tyson Bajan is actually really good? And then he goes out there and he shows us that Fields can't play because we have this guy who's a backup. All the options are bad. Yeah. There are no good options. Like, it sucks. Well, and yesterday, that, this weekend was all of that coming together. William, Caleb Williams didn't play well. Fields gets hurt and didn't play well. And Tyson Bajan looked overwhelmed at times, even though he did move the football. And I do think there is something to him getting the football out of his hand quicker. Yeah. I like that. I don't know how sustainable that is if he has to play for Fields for an extended period of time, say four, five, six, seven weeks mm-hmm. this season. Well, I think the problem is that the, uh, the path that we're looking at right now is going to be a combination of paths two and three, right? Like, you're going to be looking at quarterbacks on Saturday still. Drake May plays Virginia this week. Uh, Caleb Williams has a very tough game against Utah this week. And Caleb Williams can still change the narrative on himself, right? Like, if they go out and they find he finds a way to look really good against a good Utah defense, he looks good against Oregon, looks good against Washington, like, you still have a chance for him. Look, he's still the... Heavy, heavy favorite to be the first overall pick, according to you know the sports books out there. Like on FanDuel, he's still minus four fifty to be the first overall pick. He's not going to win the Heisman. He's like four, he's thirty to one. I looked today. He went from forty to one to thirty to one uh, overnight to win the Heisman. So people are still back on on Caleb Williams, maybe. But I think that you're still going to you're going to be looking at a quarterback, even if Bajent goes out there and looks good. Like even if Bajent goes out there and looks good. I still think Ryan Poles is going to be like, okay, we'll draft someone, whether it's Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever, and come in and you can compete. And maybe you either you release Justin Fields or you find someone who wants him and you trade him. Or maybe Fields comes back after four or five weeks, still looks good, jury's still out, and you say, guess what? We're still going to draft a quarterback, and there's a competition now between Justin Fields and uh, whoever they draft. And guess what? Uh, Bajan, you were a great backup. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your service. Get back to the bench because that's what you're going to be. My apologies. An interception for Bajan and a strip sack fumble that was turned Two for turnovers. a touchdown. They, they were both. They were both bad. 
Two, two turnovers. Both, it, well, both it's something bad. that our quarterbacks like to do, right? Both Fumble bad. the football and allow others to run to the end zone both with bad. the football. It's Black and Abdallah. We'll take your calls. We're talking Bears football at 312-332-3776. We're at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. We're drinking Miller Lite. It's Bears night in Chicago on ESPN 1000. Live from 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park, Bears Night in Chicago. Be part of Bears Night in Chicago in person or crack open an ice-cold Miller Lite and watch us on Twitch.tv. Now back to 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park and Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. We're drinking Miller Lite. We're at 115 Bourbon Street. It's Bears Night in Chicago. We'll be joined by Lance Briggs in about 23 minutes. Here on set, we'll talk about the game, and, and everyone at the station wants us to discuss the letter grades that Lance gave out. And I heard I'm Lance this morning right with Cap and Jay Hood. Lance was an easy grader, especially for the coaching staff. What do you give the coaching staff? An A. <laughs> I, I, so we'll have to get into it. He, he defended uh, his thought process with Cap and Jay Hood this morning, so we'll have to get into it when he gets here. I'm going to ask him if we can go back in time and he, he can be my uh, junior year Your chemistry teacher. teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I might have not gotten a D in chemistry. Like here, here's the fun part about the grading system in the NFL is uh, we look at the win-loss column, and unfortunately for the head coach, uh, things are not going well. Yeah. Uh, usually you don't stay head coach with the record that Matt Eberflus has right now. Well, it's over the last two years, right? Like you look at his whole tenure here, yeah. and uh, we know, too, that uh, you know Virginia goes to the home games, and she hasn't seen a home win in over a year. <laughs> That's rough to say. It's true. I know. You haven't seen a win over in over a year either. You go no, to all the games. I'll say this. Uh, going to Bears games my entire life, uh, I can remember going to games since age seven. I'm 38 now. It's a long time. It I can is. remember going to games. Walking out of the south end zone, there is one thing that is always true. No matter how devastating the loss, no matter how pathetic the season's going, people are always chanting, Packers suck in the tunnel. Green Green Bay Bay sucks. sucks. Packers sucks. And in the tunnel on the way to the parking garage and the parking lots, that happens every single game. It's the meme, right? It's the two hands like that they're they're clasped like that. And it says, if you're watching us on Twitch, and it says Bears fans, Vikings fans underneath you, and it's Green Bay sucks in the middle. Green Bay sucks. Right? Yesterday, it was silence. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear people yelling Green Bay sucks. I didn't hear people yelling Packers suck. Uh, I think apathy is very close to being set in uh, with this team. Whoa. And that's, that's a tough spot to be in because this is supposed to be a rebuild that's on the upward swing. And when you already have people that are just out on this team, on this coaching staff, on what's taking place, on the quarterback... I mean, that's a tough go, especially since we and, you and I were talking in the summer. We thought this team would actually progress. We thought 8-9 wins was on the table. Mm-hmm. To this point, through six weeks, there are some wins that were available. No? Yeah. I don't think yeah. the assessment was wrong. I think what's, what's very obvious is this team has failed to this point. Well, and I also think, too, you know, like we said going into this game, that there you could see somewhere where you could get maybe five more wins on the schedule because the way they played against the commanders, the way that the defense was getting home, the way that they were generating takeaways, the way that the offense was playing, moving the football, the connection to DJ Moore that we've been hoping to see for so long, that finally came to fruition. And like, yes, you say, okay, I see five more wins on the schedule. 
if they continue to play like that, right? If they continue, if the defense stays aggressive, which they they did. I mean, look, they. I thought the defense played very well yesterday. They played the defense played good enough to win. Yeah, the defense played good enough for a team to win a football game. I thought Jalen Johnson was really good yesterday. Jalen Johnson was good. Brisker was really good. Like, yeah, there Brisker were, made some hits. I like that. There were guys out there. Billings is still a monster out there. They're eighth in against the rush. Like this team was a sieve last year against the run, and now this year they're eighth in the NFL at stopping the run. You limited a team uh, in the Vikings to 46 rushing yards. Now, they're one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL, but still, like that's something you can hang your hat on, and if if the offense would have uh, held up their own, you might have had a win. That's why I said going into that game, look, you can beat this team. You can beat the Raiders. You can definitely beat the Panthers. You've got the Cardinals. You've got the Falcons on the schedule. Like You've got some teams where if you continue to play like that, you can get some wins. The problem is the offense didn't hold up their end of the bargain. The defense played well. Offense did not. We go to Mike in Lombard. You're on ESPN 1000 talking Bears. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. What's going on? You know, I got to tell you, I'm shocked after that game, after the prior two of fields looking like unbelievable, eight touchdowns, um, 300 yards, and the only thing that changed was the scheme. Guess he went back to the nonsense of drop back, drop back, drop back. No rollouts, no play action. And you said it, like you said, everyone knew they were going to blitz, except, I guess, Getsy. And, and obviously the line couldn't hold, and he kept his quarterback just dropping back. He, third and eight from the goal line. No play action, no rollout. And I'm telling you, no other quarterback, if you watch the games with that pressure, could have done anything. We've seen some of the greats this, this weekend throw interceptions look like garbage because they had some pressure. So what I don't understand is I know you mentioned Fields had a bad game a couple times. You mentioned Eberflew. No one's met, mentioning why is Getsy still there. I don't understand why aren't we calling for this guy to go because if he called the game like he did against Washington, you don't think you just said the defense gave up 12 legit points? Of course we win the game. So I don't understand why this guy... Bill gets the benefit of the doubt, and Fields is getting the rap. Oh, one last thing. Yeah. If they talk about Fields auditioning. If I'm his agent, if Jesse's calling the play, why would you want to audition with this play calling? You're going to cost him money and maybe a starting job. Fields should just run out of here as fast as he can if we, don't, if we let this, this play caller keep doing what he's doing because he doesn't adjust, and he's, getting, and he's calling the plays and getting his quarterback killed, like I just said. So... I, I, I wish you could tell me why you're not more on this Getsy when we saw the play calling change. It wasn't Fields. The last caller said, what's going on? He's great, then he's not. He's great, then he's not. They didn't, they didn't roll him out and call play action, and that's why he was terrible. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. There's, uh, you know, he, that's why I thought the way the game started with uh, Luke Getsy's play calling, in the previous weeks, he protected the quarterback. They ran first. Now, they ran the football well yesterday, mm-hmm. but like Mike and Lombard was saying, it, it seemed like from the start, Getsy got back to the what we saw in week one against Green Bay and against Tampa. The drop back forced Justin to kind of figure out things. Like, you know what's weird is, like, the last couple of weeks, Justin seemed to know where he was going with the football on almost every single pass play. Yesterday, at the start, it seemed like he was trying to figure it out as the play was taking place. Now, that certainly could be um, 
a negative on the, the slate for Justin Fields, but also mm-hmm. it felt like uh, the play calling was disjointed that, you know, they were doing a lot of things in the last previous two games that were like cutting the field in half, rolling out after play action, using the, the running backs as an outlet or a tight end or whatever the case may be. It just didn't seem right, and I think Getze is to blame for a lot of it for yesterday's game. It looked different, you know, even from the start. It looked – it didn't look the same as it did. And, yeah, you're, you're moving up in defenses a little bit. The Vikings aren't great against the pass. Um, you know, they, they did opt to receive the ball uh, first instead of deferring, which is something that we talked about heading into the game uh, yesterday on the, pre, uh, the pregame tailgate show before the, the game started. Uh, and we said that, hey, w- are you in favor of that? I don't I – don't, I, at this point, I don't think it matters. Like it doesn't. It doesn't really matter uh, whether they whether they defer or not. Um, but it just looked like the flow of the game was different. You know, you're calling pass plays out of out of uh, on third and two. You're calling run plays on third and seven. Like it was all backwards yesterday. I don't know what he did. It, why the success you saw in the first in the last two weeks against the Broncos and against the Commanders? Why you didn't just continue that type of play calling? Why you just didn't continue that flow? Because you know, the Bears have been one of the better teams, one of the best teams, running that first 15, running the scripted plays. And for some reason yesterday, it looked different. It looked like they found success, so they're like, let's try more different things. And it's like, no, just do what's working. Do what you what has been working for the last two weeks instead of doing something different that's now regressing you. Barry in Bronzeville, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Barry? A couple of things that I wanted to say real quick. We might be the first team in NFL history that's going to have the number one and number two draft. Uh, the other thing, too, is, is that I watch Caleb Williams, and I know there's a lot of hype about this guy being a generational talent and all of these other things. And so I started doing some thinking, right? When is the last time there was a generational talent that was listed at a quarterback, the number one spot, that succeeded, yet alone came to a cold environment after playing in a warm environment and balled out? I don't think it's a prudent thing for us to do to waste our number one pick because we will have the number one pick on him. I think maybe we may, if we have to get a quarterback, maybe look in a different direction. But this guy didn't impress me after I watched him against Notre Dame. I'll hang up and listen to you. Yeah, thanks for the phone call. I I will say this with Caleb Williams. He went to high school in the D.C. area, so he's not a Southern California kid. So, you know, if you draft him to the Chicago Bears, if we get to that point in May, uh, I'm, I wouldn't be worried about the weather. I do think it's hilarious that there were USC players on Saturday wearing those face mask gaiters around yeah. the, the neck, like like freezing temperatures. It was in it the was 50s like 50 out there, in yeah. South Bend. Uh, so, like, listen, it was clearly in their heads going into that game. I watched a lot of USC football. It was a talking point all week in L.A. that it was going to be rainy and a little chilly, and they were all bothered by it, and clearly they were not focused, not ready to play. But I wouldn't really be worried about that with Caleb Williams. He grew up in the D.C. area. It's Mm -hmm. not like he's a kid from Florida. He's only lived in Florida his entire life or even Southern California. I I wouldn't worry about that. I'm not worried about uh, Caleb Williams. I think that there are three more games on the schedule. We'll find out. Like, if he... Like, if he plays like this, if he has three picks against Utah, three picks against Oregon, and a couple picks against Washington, whatever it is, then yeah. <laughs> then then you start to go, okay, well, maybe uh, Drake May should be one, or maybe it's McCarthy, or maybe it's uh, Bo Nix or Penix or whoever it is, right? Uh, but, like, it's one game. Let's slow our roll here and not overreact. 
Um, I think that it's more damning on Lincoln Riley if he wants to make the move to the NFL because it's something that he's talked about in the past. Like there was an interview a while ago how he talked about how he envies the NFL coach yeah. because like when the season's over, you get like a break. You don't have to go recruiting right away. You don't have to you know, sit in living rooms and all that kind of stuff. And he kind of wants that lifestyle. But if you go through his tenure at Oklahoma and at USC, he's never won the big game. No. He's 0-3 in the college football playoff. He's lost a game. Every time that they were Oklahoma was good, they lost a big game, whether it was to Texas or Iowa State or they've lost to Kansas State before. And then you go in one of the biggest games on USC's schedule, not in conference, but for the fans, for the boosters, for the school itself. No, it's the biggest game. You lose to your rival. The Notre Dame game is the biggest game. Absolutely. That's that's on par with losing to Texas when you're at Oklahoma. That's on par with, you know, with big games. Like, it's the same criticism that we gave to Harbaugh at Michigan. Yeah, cool. You're a good coach. You can't win the big one. You can't beat Ohio State. You can't win in the playoff. So, like, and now Harbaugh's turned that around. He's beaten Ohio State a couple times. They got to the playoff. They didn't win, but they got to the playoff. So now it, it's on Lincoln Riley. Now, I find that, uh, Saturday's game more of an indictment on Lincoln Riley and not having his team prepared than I do on Caleb Williams. Like, there's still time for me to change my mind about Caleb Williams and say, yes, without a doubt, number one overall. Link, I don't want Lincoln Riley anywhere near this football team. Totally agree with you on that Somebody one. Somebody in the Twitch doll- chat uh, yep. mentioned he didn't want Caleb Williams because he paints his nails. Is that a concern for you guys? Uh, they're stickers. They're not paint. It's not yeah, paint. He, uh, yeah, I think they're stickers. Did he have beat and D yeah. on his? Uh, no, it's um, not enough characters. Let's uh, say this, Kevin. Uh, not for me. It's not my thing. I, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do that. Would you prefer he wore like a like one of those Taylor Swift bracelets? No, I just I think the game. I think the talking trash with painting your fingernails and or stickers on your fingernails. I just think that's weird. Just go out there and play well. I think Sam Hartman had the best uh, trash talk after the game. Yeah, the the yeah the fight on down the victory V down. V down. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Bears football, Bears night in Chicago. <laughs> I wish I could be like you know, but let's talk about a better team. Wait a second. Uh, we're There's presented no by Miller Lite. <laughs> we're at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. Come on out, hang out with us. We're drinking Miller Lite. We're talking Bears football. We'll be right back. Live from 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park, Bears Night in Chicago and Black and Abdallah brought to you by Miller Lite on ESPN Chicago. Black and Abdallah, it's Bears Night in Chicago, presented by Miller Lite. We're at 115 Bourbon Street, Marionette Park. We'll be joined by Lance Briggs, former Bears linebacker. He played for the Bears from 2003 to 2014. By far one of my favorite players to watch in a Bears uniform throughout the years uh, out on the Soldier Field uh, turf. Uh, So it'll be cool to have Lance here. He's a part of our team at ESPN 1000. I heard him today on Cap'n J. Hood. He does a great job also in the pregame show with Sylvie and Dion uh, as they get you ready for Bears football each and every week right here on ESPN 1000. So we'll talk to Lance Briggs in five minutes right here on ESPN 1000. We go to James in Munster. You're on ESPN 1000 with Black Abdal. What's up, James? Hey, guys. I think first and foremost we need to to address the, the big bear in the room. Um... Why don't you guys have yet. a backdrop? I'm watching on I'm watching on ESPN uh, uh, on on the YouTube. Why don't you guys have a a Black and Abdallah backdrop? So they got a Waddle and Sylvie backdrop. Uh, budget Come on, we got to set yeah, it up. Yeah, uh, night night budget. Uh, yeah. we, we spend all of our money on silly zoo news stories. Yeah, I uh, we spent our uh, money on Tom right, Brady uh, right. boxers and soup. 
<laughs> they, they said you can either have totally soup understood. and Tom Brady boxers or a banner or a backdrop, and we said I'll, give us the I'll, soup. I'll call Zetterman tomorrow. <laughs> please, please do. So, so, so here, here, here's the way I was thinking about it. It, it looked, it looked like a completely different defense in the first half than it did in in the second half for the Vikings. It, it looked like they were they were attacking Justin Fields with blitz, blitz, blitz. But they didn't know what was going on with I. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Baguette. But it. it yeah, what you said. Yeah, baguette. Yeah. Um. Um. It. it they, they didn't know. They didn't I'm know how to, how to attack him and his skills. Backup quarterback. But they knew how to attack Fields. So I. I feel like it was. It was kind of a, a difference of 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 their knowledge of of the quarterback. I want to see what you guys think about that. That's a fair point. Thanks for yeah. the call, James. Um, I don't know if it was that or the fact that they, if they were up like nineteen to six, like I think you play a little, yeah. like you sacrifice, um, like the Bears were doing this a little bit against the Commanders, like you sacrifice yardage for time off the clock, right? Yeah. Like you understand that you're dealing with a backup quarterback who's just being thrown in. Okay, he moves the ball a little bit. Yes, he did score the touchdown, but then you saw like they clamped right back down and he he threw an interception. So I think it's, you know, like they, I'm not saying they were going completely soft coverage and allowing them to do whatever they wanted to do, but I mean, they were still blitzing a little bit. I just feel like they were, they were forcing him to throw because I don't know if they think that, that, uh, Bajent was less of a threat with his legs than Fields is, but they're going to make the unproven guy who's never been in an NFL game in his life who played D2 football beat him with his arm and he obviously could not before we talk with lance briggs here at 115 bourbon street charlie bevins is uh producing the show tonight on location with us Hi, Char-Dog. uh yesterday i walked into the stadium and i was handed a beautiful pink headband that was given out to all the fans entering the stadium yeah it's a cancer initiative and, uh, by the nfl mm-hmm. i walked uh, myself over to the stage where we had our pregame show and charlie was working yesterday like he is today. Mm -hmm. And I saw Charlie, and I said, you know what, Charlie? This is for you. And I carried this headband all the way around the stadium, and I handed it to Charlie. I say, hey, hey, Charlie, have this. Now, meanwhile, I I carry on some conversations. I'm talking to Danny Zetterman moments Mm -hmm. later. And somehow Danny brings up his daughter and that he was going to bring a beautiful pink headband home to his daughter. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, that's nice. I just gave one of these to Charlie. And he goes, yeah, Charlie just gave me this. Oh, Chardon. Charlie, you're re-gifting a gift I gave you yesterday? Well, first of all, you did not hand me the gift. You yeah. said Charlie and then threw it, and I looked up, and I caught it with one hand, like the professional athlete I am. Second of all, like, Daddy was like, what's that? And I said, it's a headband. Chris gave it to me. And he was like, can I have it? I'll give it to my daughter. And I was like... Sounds like you have a lot better use for this than I do. Regifting my gifts. All right, Charlie. Lance Briggs is here. We will be back in two minutes. We will talk with Lance Briggs right here at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. It's Bears Night in Chicago.